0: Welcome to this episode of Can We Talk? On this episode, we have Valerie Upoke, who is a practicing psychologist at Private Mirrors, which is a private practice based in Abuja, Nigeria. Valerie has years of working experience in the mental health field and is currently catering to groups and individuals dealing with existential crisis, grief, depression, and anxiety. She also works with various organizations for employee wellness programs and providing mental health support for staff. On this episode, we talk about the NSARS protest, its effect on mental health, and some odd opinions about your favorite CARP, Hi, Valerie. It's nice to have you on the podcast today. How are you doing? Well, thank
1: you. Hello. I'm good. I'm good. How have you been?
0: I've been fine. You know, a lot is going on with everything that happened in Nigeria. I mean, the U.S. elections, it's been a crazy time. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can
1: imagine. Yes, everyone is going through it right now. So
0: Yeah, it's deep. So as typical for the podcast, the first thing we start off with is the problematic opinion. So Valerie, what is your problematic opinion?
1: Okay, this would have to do with food, because I'm a foodie. But I think pasta is overrated. And everyone around me just, every time I see it, it's like, what? What planet are you from? Yeah, I, I don't like pasta one bit. Like, I just, yeah, I find it... Disgusting. But I love indomie <laughs> noodles. That's the only thing I can eat. Every other thing, pasta, macaroni, spaghetti, yeah, that family I just don't like. So yeah, I think pasta is a great. I
0: actually think so as well. So I like oh pasta God. just normally. Like people like, there's this funny joke on Twitter that's, like, Nigerian girls, specifically Abuja girls, will get all mm-hmm. dressed up just to mm-hmm. go to a restaurant and order pasta. <laughs> and it's so ridiculous because it's true. Like, it's pasta or, like, fries and chicken. Like, there's no in-between. And I just yeah. think pasta is okay. People act like it's the ultimate, like, carb. But it's really not. Like, it's not as great as mm-hmm. rice. Indomie is good. And Indomie is very versatile. Mm-hmm. I do really enjoy Indomie. <laughs> Mm-hmm.
1: exactly oh my goodness finally someone who understands me
0: I can imagine this has been very hard because like telling people that you don't like pasta is basically telling people that I don't know you support Donald Trump Like, you find very few <laughs> friends
1: <laughs> yeah exactly. I, I don't even bother like going into the conversation when it comes to pasta I'm just like yeah I don't like pasta why oh it's just A childhood thing. Yeah, I don't like pasta. That's it. I don't bother with it. So,
0: yeah. I agree. Yeah, sometimes you don't even want to get into the conversation. You're just like, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. That's the vibes. Mm -hmm. Um, So, my problematic opinion in terms of food is that I don't like Amala. I know people love it and people are always talking about it. Like, it's so important to their lives. But really, truly, for me, I don't enjoy it. I don't like the look of it. And maybe it's just, like, an optics problem. Maybe the PR around Amala is just bad because its stands are so aggressive. They don't allow anybody to breathe. That other people don't even want to give it a shot anymore. So that's how I feel about it.
1: All I can say is I think we're soulmates because I don't like either. I don't like it. I don't, like... I don't know how people eat it. Like, no offense to anyone who likes it, who loves it, who dreams about it. But I just, yeah, I don't get it at all. So,
0: yeah. It's not for me. And I mean, for those people who love it, like more grease to your elbows and all of that. But, nah. We're going to jump into the whole podcast. And so... Over the past couple of weeks we've seen the NSARS protests happen and mm-hmm. it has been a lot to take in. For some people it's been really dangerous. Some people died. Some people watched their friends and family get killed. Some people were just even involved in the whole process. I know I was as well. Mm-hmm. And It was very interesting to watch people get, like, tear gas right in front of you or hit with water cannons and then show up for work and be like, I'm totally fine. This is great, (laughs) you know? So I wanted to just, first of all, ask, like, what was your whole opinion on the whole situation? How did you feel being part of it as, like, a young Nigerian?
1: Honestly speaking, it was, I would say it took a toll on my emotions because for a second there, you know, there was just that burst of hope and um, thinking, you know, we're about to do something great, we're about to change Nigeria. And then that happened, you know, the whole massacre. And I just, it took me a while, to be honest, it took me a couple of days to really take it in and process it. And I was just very sad and very devastated. I was angry. I don't think anger even really captures the, the, the feeling but it was just a roller coaster of emotions for me personally and I had really had to take the time to process what was going on to to reboot really um, and I can imagine a million other people felt the same way you know just to think you know there's there's a spark of hope. And all of a sudden, it feels like it's been taken away from you. It feels like the people in power are, really, are, are willing to do anything, absolutely anything to keep their power, irrespective of the cost. Um, so yeah, it was quite a lot for me to take in and quite a lot for me to process, but I've been able to, um, and being a, a therapist, a psychologist, I I have to make sure I'm fine so that I can also help other people be fine. So, yeah, that was it for me.
0: I actually completely get that. I think there's like a quote from like the Count of Monte Cristo and I'm completely paraphrasing, but it's like only those who experience profound loss can really understand profound joy. And I feel like in this moment, it was kind of flipped Mm -hmm. around. It was like this profound joy Mm -hmm. because we were like, we're going to tell the government and engage in dialogue. We're going to see some change. And then the government was just like, no. It was so crazy no. <laughs> watching your president get on TV and then threaten all of you at the same time.
1: Well, I think that was, like, that came as a shock to everybody. Like, did he just do that? Did, did he really just come on national TV, threaten everyone, and tell every other person abroad to mind your business? Like,
0: <laughs> that was, Yeah. Right. He was kind of like, I've been so benevolent by giving you scraps. So you guys should not take my kindness for a week. And I was like, what kindness? What kindness? We're literally all dying. What kindness? It just shows like how distanced our leaders can be. And then Nigerians did what they always do, which is make jokes when they are completely beaten down. Exactly. Just, and it was so interesting from like my understanding and I'm not even at all a licensed therapist or a licensed anything that was kind of their response to this terrible occurrence and this and just their way of dealing, which kind of brings me to my first question. So for those of us, for people like me who are not professionals, how would you kind of describe mm-hmm. post-traumatic stress disorder? And what does that look like? Okay. Um,
1: just for, I I don't want us to kind of throw around words and, you know, technical words. So I'll break it down into first understanding what trauma is and trauma is simply a response to distress, but not just any kind of distress, um, a distress that is disturbing, that is overwhelming, to the point where it begins to impact functionality. Now, functionality is the key word there. Whenever you see disorder, anxiety disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, functionality is the key word. Anything that impacts your ability to do the things you normally do, go to work, wake up in the morning, brush your teeth, take a shower, engage in conversations, all the things you would just normally do on a daily, the moment anything of any sort begins to impact that, it becomes a disorder. So post-traumatic stress disorder from the name is simply a response to trauma and a response to distressing, anything that has that is distressing to you, but it happens after. But there's a difference between Post-traumatic stress disorder and acute stress disorder. Now, acute stress disorder happens immediately after. And the difference here is in the duration, right? So acute stress disorder will take about, say, 28 days to 30 days. The moment it goes past one month, we are beginning to experience post-traumatic stress disorder. I hope that's making sense. There's a difference between acute stress disorder and post-traumatic stress disorder. These are both responses to trauma, but acute stress disorder happens immediately after the traumatic experience or the traumatic event and would normally, if you deal with it properly, of course, if you um, treat it appropriately, would normally go within 28 to 30 days. But post-traumatic stress disorder sets in after a month, and for some people, actually, it takes months for you, for them to even begin to see any sort of symptoms. So you could experience trauma, say today, and you start to experience symptoms in the next three months. You know, so that's that's the major difference: duration and impact. But it's also important to note that it's very much subjective subjective in the sense that um it's down to the individual how they respond to the trauma like you said at the beginning of the podcast there are lots of people who this happened and you know they're just back to work like nothing happened you know they're going about their day and that's completely normal for some people it's like okay this has happened let's Let's keep it moving. They process it for maybe one hour, one day, and they're done. For other people, it takes a toll on them, and this could be as a result of, say, their personality. It could be as a result of genetics. It could be as a result of um, their experiences, past experiences. So it's definitely subjective, and it is down to the individual to um, respond in A certain way or in
0: different ways. That was really clear and I think really easy to understand. But are there any specific traits that people tend to notice either if this response to trauma appears in the first 28 days or later on? Are there any specific signs or symptoms? Is it different for everyone or or is everyone going to respond the exact same way?
1: So um, I like to categorize it into emotional, cognitive, and physical, and psychological. And these the symptoms I'm going to mention now, they're very general and they're very – it cuts across. Anybody can um, experience these symptoms – But it's not, it's not necessary that you experience this specific symptoms, if that makes sense. So, for example, in on the emotional side, you can find yourself feeling angry, find yourself feeling sad, find yourself not knowing what to feel, actually. You find yourself feeling numb due to the fact that the emotions are just too much or overwhelming for you. And so you just become numb. You don't know what to feel. You're unable to feel. And all of these feelings can then lead you to... um, you'd find yourself having emotional outbursts. You're easily angered. You're easily irritated. Um, It can also lead you to start having nightmares. It can lead you to have insomnia. You're unable to sleep. Now, that's on the emotional side. It does not mean everybody will experience anger. It does not mean everyone will experience sadness. It does not mean everyone would feel numb. It could be either one of these symptoms I've mentioned. On the cognitive aspect, um, you find that you're unable to concentrate, you're unable to get any task done. I had a client who was deeply impacted by this say he went to work the next morning and he literally just started crying. He could not do anything. He could not focus. He could not concentrate. He could not literally get any task done. Now, that is perfectly normal. On the physical aspect, you could find that um, there's change in your appetite. You could find that there's change in your sleep. You could find that you start to feel no- nauseous. You find that you um, start to have headaches or migraines. You find that you start to have gut problems. Um, you, you're you unable to eat or digest your food properly. You find yourself going to the loo every now and then. All of these symptoms, does not mean you experience all of it, but you may experience some of it. Now, on the psychological aspect, then you find that you're experiencing depression, anxiety, PTSD, and so on and so forth. So... It's important to take note of all of these categories. How has it impacted you emotionally? How has it impacted you cognitively? How has it impacted you physically? Um, If you find that all of these symptoms that I've mentioned, you're experiencing any one of them, then you would want to really take care of yourself or um, manage these um, the best way that you can.
0: But is there any real way to tell if, say, this trauma is caused by a specific incident or... If it's something else, is it possible that sort of this could be this event that you've witnessed could be a trigger for and kind of link itself to some type of past trauma that you've experienced? And then these two things kind of come together.
1: Definitely. I was just going to say definitely. Um, For some people, and I I like to make, when when I'm speaking, I like to refer to personal experiences, not just mine, but from other people, from clients, people that you know I've spoken to and i've had people specifically one client specifically who said to me you know i've lived in the north and i've experienced just i've faced death you know i've looked at, at death face to face i have seen people murdered i've basically saying he has experienced trauma but his it's never impacted him the way the N-SARS movements, the way the massacre impacted him. Now that came across to me as the N-SARS or the massacre being a trigger now. And it has piled up to the point where this now triggers all the feelings. And then, you know, you're recalling, you're recalling every terrible thing that has ever happened to you you're you're starting to even hate yourself maybe like why didn't I do this back then um, why is this happening to me why is the government so terrible you know you, you start to just hate yourself hate um, the whole system you start to question yourself and if this is not well taken care of you find that people just drive themselves into Depression and even worse into suicide, you know. So definitely, this could stem as a trigger. This could be a trigger um, for so many other things, so many other terrible experiences that you've had, and this just seems to be the the spark for everything to just pour out and come out. And yeah, so definitely. <laughs> I agree, um, this this can, can be a trigger.
0: So then how do you specifically work through this? Is the process of dealing with this trauma that has kind of been triggered by other things, do you typically deal with what is currently the trigger or do you have to work all the way through every single thing that has happened? Because even dealing with one incident and having to confront that reality is difficult enough. So what's the process like?
1: So it's, first of all, it's important to say that you cannot, it's not, I wouldn't advise anyone to have to deal with this on their own, because it's a lot, it's a lot to deal with. Even with just everyday issues sometimes can be overwhelming for you as an individual. Talk less of trauma, 10 years old trauma, 20 years old trauma, childhood trauma, and it's a lot. So the first thing I would say is you do not have to deal with it on your own. Please seek therapy, seek counseling, speak to someone about it at least. Um, And yes, in therapy, it it might be necessary um, to work through all of it, especially if we see that, these are things that are influencing your behavior on your daily, if we see that these are things that are um, playing a role in your personality and who you are in negative patterns that you probably don't even see or you're yet to see, it's it's very important that you work through them and heal from that trauma.
0: Now that we are sort of moving out of it, it feels like we're moving into a new phase of the protest you think it is healthy for people to consistently have to interact with the nsars movement any tweets or commentary about it or was or is it naturally just safer if you're going through a very difficult time to sort of distance yourself from it some people believe that it's important to just consistently head first face the reality of it And some people think, well, if you need distance, then take it. What would be your advice?
1: I would say, so again, it's down to you as an individual, but I would definitely say take time out and just process everything that you're feeling at the moment. It can be triggering. Twitter can be a huge trigger for anyone. I have even personally, I found myself almost engaging in tweet fights because (laughs) people are just goodness you know people's opinions and the way people speak about the movement and it can be a huge trigger for you so you you would want to just step away for a second and really process take time out understand what you're feeling put a label to what you're feeling especially for those who you know it's overwhelming for you to the point where it's you're not it's it's a good practice to sit down With your thoughts, with yourself, with your emotions, and really try and put a label. What am I feeling right now? If it's anger, put it down. If it's sadness, if it's frustration, a recurring thing for me in session the past two weeks is people feeling powerless. And that's perfectly normal because you feel like I had power for a second. I felt like I had power for a second. And all of a sudden, it feels like it's been taken away. It feels like there's no hope anymore in Nigeria. It feels like, what is the point of fighting? And I say to that person who may be feeling powerless right now, is you still have some form of power. You still have some form of control in your everyday life. You have some form of control in the community around you, your immediate community, in your family, your friends. You have that control. You may not have the power right now to change the entire country or the system, but it's start, you have to start somewhere. So take time out away from all of your triggers, knowing what your triggers are, of course. Um, take time out away from social media, Twitter, Instagram. Um, if you find that even having conversations in person with friends about inside could be a trigger for you, then avoid it for now, you know, until you're able to process what is really going on in your mind, in your heart, and come to the point of acceptance and come to the point of, okay, I think I'm ready to go again. Okay, I think I'm ready to fight another day. And fighting another day could not ne- is not necessarily, you know, going to as still feel like to scream. <laughs> it could be um, waking up to do the things that you would normally do. It could be waking up to um, have a conversation with a friend. It could be going out. It could be whatever it is. That is, that is your power right now, and that is your control right now. The fact that you're able um, to live to fight another day, the fact that you're able to live to impact, even if it's the next person beside you, even if it's your family or your friend, you have that power right now. And there's nothing wrong in using it, none at all. So yeah, I would definitely say to take time out away from Twitter, social media, any form of trigger to understand yourself and understand the process and the emotions in order for you to go again.
0: Yeah. Yes, I completely agree. I do think if you need to take time off, definitely do that. Whatever makes you feel safe and really just protects you is The grit is the best thing to do. But then this leads to another thing that I want to speak on. So a lot of people who are living to fight another day are then confronted with the reality that they can live to fight another day. And other people don't have this opportunity. And this is creating a new set Mm -hmm. of feelings for them. So I want to speak to you about survivor's guilt. Is this something that people experience normally? Is this something that is even real in any way and what would you say to people who are going through that what would be your advice
1: it is very very real very i can't even it's it's very real and in simple terms it's simply from the name feeling guilty for surviving feeling guilty for being alive when other people are dead for the same cause that you were pushing for and it's very real you even you find yourself in in trying to process everything um, like we just said earlier in trying to process everything you might find that even in moments where you're feeling a little bit happy and you're feeling a little bit like that burst of joy you would immediately think back and say i shouldn't even be happy right now like i don't i don't have the what's the word um it shouldn't, it should have been me out there dead. You know, I shouldn't be smiling. I shouldn't be going out to um, enjoy the company of friends or family. So it's very real. And number one thing I would say is it is a normal, a usual experience um for someone who has experienced any form of trauma whatsoever. And it's, It's something that should, I think it ties back into, you know, that whole processing, processing the feeling. It's something that can spring up negative thoughts about yourself. It's something that can drive you again into um, depression and suicide. So it's very important that you really sit back and Face the reality, facing the reality, meaning, okay, I'm here. The fact that you've experienced this trauma is not your fault, number one. The fact that this has happened was not anything anybody envisaged, right? It's not anything anyone planned for. It's not your fault that people died. But you have the responsibility, you have the choice moving forward, on what you do today, what you do tomorrow, what you do with your life. Right? So it's very important that you face the reality of I'm alive and people are dead, but I have the opportunity to keep pushing for what I believe in. I have the opportunity to keep fighting for what I believe in. Even if I don't have it in me to fight right now, I have the opportunity to recoup, I have the opportunity to be angry. I have the opportunity to feel all of these emotions, right? And go again. As I said before, so survivor's guilt is very real and it's very normal, but it does not make you a bad person that you're alive and people are dead. Even if you were all pushing, pushing for the same cause, it does not make you a bad person that you're starting to feel alive again or you're starting to feel bursts of joy again. It does not make you a terrible person that you want to enjoy the company of your friends and your family. You're here. Why not? You know, Um, so I would say take your time. Take your time to feel. I like to use the word feel and deal. Okay. take your time to feel and deal with the situation and deal with the feelings and deal with the emotions. But then in dealing with the emotions, you have to make sure you come to the point of I am ready and willing to live to the fullest. I am ready and willing to push again. I'm ready. I'm willing to fight. I'm ready. I'm willing to to engage, whatever that looks like for you. And fighting, like I said, it it should be subjective in whatever capacity you can. If you feel like you don't want to fight anymore, that's perfectly okay as well. Okay. If you feel like I'm tired of Nigeria, uh, there's been a lot of um, tweets and memes about I'm ready to leave the country now. If you're in that space right now mentally, that is okay. That is perfectly okay. So in whatever capacity, in whatever way you feel like you want to be able to fight again, even if that means fighting for your own life, fighting to live a good life, that is perfectly
0: okay. I'm of the same opinion. Really, if you are feeling this way, it's completely normal, but also understand that you did nothing to create this situation. You're just living through it. You're not a bad person for having survived. You're just a regular mm-hmm. person and you're going through this and that's okay. It's a very human feeling. And yes, just take your time through it. You know, like you said, feel and deal. But are there any specific things that people can do while they're going through this process to sort of help them deal with it? Mm-hmm. The Not everybody has therapy easily accessible to them and therapy can oftentimes be expensive so it's really a thing about access so are there any things that people can do to move through this in a healthy and safe way?
1: Okay so I would say the one thing that every single person can do and I believe can be helpful is to journal. It's, it's a way of pouring out and releasing those emotions. If you have no one to speak to, I would definitely say to speak to your friends, family about it, how you're feeling. But journaling is definitely a good way to just let it out. And journaling also helps you, you know, sometimes when you have all of these thoughts in your head, in your mind, it can feel overwhelming, it can feel like you have the weight of the world on your shoulder when you put it down on paper you're really able to see it for what it is you're you, it's like you're looking at your your mind you know it's like you're looking at your brain just the way it is so journaling is definitely a great way to start journaling um maybe the difficult moments of protesting if you went out to protest the difficult moments of um just the whole movement for you. What was that like? How did you feel? How are you how are you feeling right now? Just just pour it out, right? Join the link. Another thing I would say is find what works for you. I say that not to encourage any form of unhealthy way of coping because you find that people tend to can dive into that, you know, taking alcohol and substance and just, just abusing that, just to not feel. And I definitely would not advise that. But um, doing what works for you in the sense that if you're someone who loves to listen to music, for example, use music to calm yourself. If you're someone who um, maybe you love to dance, you know, move your body, that's always, always a good idea. Um, work out, exercise, do yoga, meditate, whatever you feel works for you to help you stay grounded. Because PTSD, in simple terms, you, you tend to relieve the traumatic experience, right? That's literally post-traumatic stress disorder. You're relieving the experience in your mind, in your sleep. Um, you would find that you are hyper-vigilant. you know, maybe someone shuts the door and you would just jump up from your seat or from your bed. Um, so it's important that you engage in things that would keep you grounded because with with PTSD, you find that you're either in those moments, living, reliving it in the past or you're in the future and you find yourself that find yourself feeling anxious. You know, you might experience panic attack as well. Had heart palpitations, your hands are sweaty. You're unable to even step out of your house because you're scared. What if I get shot? So doing what works for you to keep you grounded, being grounded is the most important. I would say it's one of the most important things. And one of the things I like to teach my clients is um, breath work and grounding techniques to keep you in the moment, to help you focus on the now where am I now? As opposed to living in your head in the past and in the future. So in summary, do what works for you. But journaling is always a good idea. Music is always a good idea. Moving your body, working out in any way possible. It doesn't have to be the big things, you know, going to the gym and lifting weights. If that works for you, fine, you know, but if you're someone who Maybe you're not a gym person normally. Yoga is a great way of keeping yourself grounded. Taking a warm bath, you know, just shutting everyone out and watching a movie. Whatever it is that you feel you can do to keep grounded, to stay in the moment, to help you recoup, to help you get back to being yourself. Having a great support system is, is also a good idea. It's very important that, as I said before, that you don't deal with this by yourself. It's very important that you don't deal on your own. So having people you can lean on and really just supporting each other because we, really, we all need to be there for each other right now. No one should have to deal with this on their own. It's, I say it's a national trauma that we're all experiencing, you know, that we've all experienced. So just be there for each other, be it in form of friendships, if you have good friends, good family. And if you don't have anyone, there's, there's support groups out there um, that cater to such. So do what works for you, whatever that looks like.
0: Yeah. Right. You know, it is national trauma, as you said. So it's really important that we all become good support (laughs) systems for each other. And journaling is actually a fantastic idea. Mm -hmm. And I think journaling can be a little scary for people because they think they're supposed to write biographies, but it's whatever you feel, (laughs) whatever. Just write how you're feeling, no matter how. Intricate it is, or how simple it is, they're still your Mm -hmm. feelings and they're still your thoughts, Mm -hmm. and they're always still valuable and they're always useful. Because I think the greatest writers don't think they're writing the greatest prose, they just think they're writing what they're writing. So just write what you gotta write. So I have one more question, Valerie. Are there any specific support programs or activities or books that you would like to recommend for anybody who would like to learn more of this topic or would like to learn about what they're going through?
1: Yeah. um, The two books I think might be good for people to just, like you said, learn more about trauma and how that affects you as a person and just the link between your body, your mind and how that works together the first one would be the body keeps the score by basil van der Kolk, and the second one would be trauma and memory this is actually more technical for anyone who's interested but um it's a it's a good read trauma and memory by peter levine and again same author basil van der Kolk. those are the two books um that i'm aware of or that i've read personally actually Um, There are a lot more out there. I'm sure if you just Google books on trauma, there's like a million books. But these are the ones I have read personally and definitely recommend. In terms of support groups, um, a colleague of mine runs support groups called Obodo. And they run support groups for depression, anxiety, um, I believe even in Lagos. I can't remember the rest, but... For anyone who has experienced this trauma, I think it would be good for you to just join that support group on anxiety or depression. Anxiety is not the only experience that may come out of this trauma. Depression as well. And there are a lot more, so you can just go to OBODO. Check out OB.ODO on Instagram and... You can get the information you need there. You can reach out to, there are lots of organizations, you know, offering free counseling for people who cannot afford therapy at the moment. Um, for example, Mentally Aware Nigeria Initiative, they offer free counseling. The Mind Wheel Project by the Sunshine Series, they offer free counseling. Who else? Just so many, so many other, but definitely Mentally Aware Nigeria Initiative and the Mind Rule projects, um, they, they offer free counselling so you don't have to pay a dime, not even one cobalt. Just reach out to them and a counsellor will be assigned to you and would help you work through. If it becomes a case where you you then need to see a therapist, they would refer you. But sometimes all you need is counselling, even if it's two, three, five sessions and you're good to go.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much, Valerie. Everyone check those out. I think there's always something to learn. Whether or not you're going through this or you have a friend or family member that's going through this as well, I think you and everybody you love will really benefit from something that teaches you something new that can help you grow and can help you be a better friend or a better support system. Valerie, thank you so much for your time. I had so much fun talking to you. This has truly been enlightening. And I look forward yeah. to reading these books and using all the terms appropriately and just being a better support system for the people that I love. So thank you for your time. Thank
1: you so much for having me. This was definitely a good conversation. And I hope anyone listening, you know, gains some insight and something to help them go through or cope better with what we're all experiencing in the country. Thank you so much for